Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, fellas, welcome back. We are jumping into week two of the 1010 Life series. And uh, the bottom line is the abundant life is a sent life, talking about mission. So to kick off, how about we go around and share our best mission trip story. And I'll let you define best however you define best. Yeah, if you mean best, like most memorable, <laughs> the one that comes to mind, I don't think is appropriate <laughs> for a podcast because of the shame it would bring to one of our elders. I don't want to give any names. Just his initials are Lars Peterson. So I hold off on that one. He didn't do anything wrong. He's the wrong things. Right. <laughs> he had a whole lot of wrong going on inside yeah, of him. So bad. The old Montezuma's revenge. Uh, uh, what about you, Brett? You've been on lots of mission trips. Oh, I go ahead. You've almost died, like yeah, multiple yeah. times. I wouldn't define that as yeah. the best. One, yeah, so I, I want. So you should. I want people. <laughs> I want people to go on mission trips, and so uh, maybe that's for a different podcast. Those, but man, I've had many. I've had. Uh, I was one time. I was out in the middle of the jungle in. Mozambique, which is like this, it's kind of half desert, half uh, wilderness, but it's like a beach wilderness, kind of like a desert wilderness. It's a really interesting landscape. And um, we were out there and had put a freshwater well in and and, uh, and we're planting a, a, a plant, helping a new church plant get started. And we were there celebrating God's provisions in that community and, and, um, sharing the gospel and this guy stands up probably 20 yards away from me and just starts dancing and jumping around and waving palm branches and the whole thing and it and so I'm asking my translator who was with me I'm like what is going on and he's like he, he, he they through different conversations they're like this guy had literally never heard of the of anyone resurrecting from the dead mm. and it's so unbelievable to him that his natural reaction was just to start dancing. Mm. Wow. And I was like, so that was pretty okay. cool. Yeah. That was a pretty cool like <laughs> moment. Um, but I, one our church will enjoy is that we were, Pastor Joby and I were in Israel uh, quite, a, quite a few years ago now. And we were like mapping the Israel trips out for our church. Mm -hmm. So this was like the first time he had been. And the ministry partner we work with there, they do a lot of work in the in the West Bank, which is um, very, very, very... Tranquil? Muslim. Okay. And, you know, that and the Gaza Strip are some of the most contested real estate in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. And a lot, I mean, many thousands of years worth of mm -hmm. challenges here. So, but the partner we work with, they do a lot of work in the Palestinian refugee camps. Mm -hmm and wanted us to go and visit some friends uh, there. So we were like, yeah, cool. We'd be happy to have sit and have tea and all the things. And so we go over there. It's at nighttime. We'd been touring all day. It's myself, Pastor Joby, our partner, and Pastor Ben Williams. And we go into this Palestinian refugee camp, which is just nine-foot ceiling trailers, like not double wides, but like single wides, all lined up together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not even that much. It's almost like storage facility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is the, these are their homes, right? And um, and and so 
we go into the the living quarters of this family and we're sitting there having tea, but it's at nighttime. We pull in and our driver is Russian-born Hebrew. He's a, he's, he's a Jew, but he's Russian-born. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is such a hostile place between the, the nation of Israel and, and the Jews and the Arabs. And so anyway, he drives us in and he's so nervous and, and there's all kinds of stuff going on there. We don't even have cultural understanding of. So anyway, he drives us in and, the, and our little minibus stops and we get out and this other guy pulls in behind him, an Arab man pulls in behind him. And the without thinking, the driver rolls the window down and begins to yell at the Arab man in the Palestinian refugee camp in Hebrew, half in Hebrew, half in Russian. Mm-hmm. This is not the language that they speak in the Palestinian refugee mm-hmm. camp, nor the accent in which that they... And so it just set off a thing. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're kind of unaware of what's happening. We're sitting in this living room and the door is open, and all these Palestinian men are coming in and out, and the host is kind of like the leader in the this neighborhood, thank God. And his phone's ringing like crazy, and Pastor Joby and I are sitting there looking at each other, and Ben's over there just like, he pulled the guy's guitar down off the wall. He's playing and he's Come playing, Thou Fount. He's playing Come Thou Fount on, the, on the, uh, just the music of it and the guitar, just... Not even aware at all of what's happening around us, and I've been I've traveled quite a bit, and um, and I had that like feeling of, hmm. and uh, so I look at Joby, Joby and I look at each other, and I, I was like, it's probably time for us to go, mm-hmm. and uh, and so sure enough, we get up and walk out of there, and we hike out on foot through a Palestinian refugee camp at ten o'clock at night in the middle of the West Bank, and walk like three miles back to our hotel up the side of the road. And um, it was one of those moments where now uh, God's doing a, an unbelievable work in that neighborhood and in that part of the world and uh, very much tilling the soil. That said, that night was a little, uh, I don't want to overstate it. but Well, it was, if you uh, ever decide to go, you just might not want to take like a super aggro Russian Hebrew <laughs> who wants to fight over parking with the right. Palestinian refugees. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not the best like uh, way to pave the road to an evangelistic yeah. conversation. Yeah. You, know? you may have lost your witness. <laughs> My favorite is, that's right. Again, me and Pastor Britt are in uh, Rio and we go to Cracktown, mm-hmm. and I've ta- I've preached about it before, so I won't talk a lot. But just yeah, yeah. I've never felt like more of a weenie in my entire <laughs> life. They have they have blown up the roads so mm-hmm. that you can't get in. The police cars can't get in. And we turn this corner, and we've got some food with us. And there are hundreds. Imagine the New York Stock Exchange, but instead of exchanging shares, it's crack. Mm-hmm. It's piles of crack on these tables. And there are dudes with, like, bandanas and Uzis. And the only reason I know they're Uzis is from, like, Miami Vice from the 80s, those Mm -hmm. TV shows. And they are. And then they look at us and the ministry people that we are with, and he's holding a loaf of butter bread, and I've got a Fanta. (laughs) (laughs) You for Fanta? What says Jesus loves you? Like, butter bread and Fanta. It was great. self-defense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, just yeah. A, I mean, just a few weeks ago, I was over visiting some of our church plant partners um, in Northern Ireland, and I find myself in a restaurant having lunch. The restaurant is called Felons. Sweet. And I find out I'm sitting across the table from this guy, and he's an ex-IRA terrorist. 
like had been in prison for 12 years in solitary confinement and it's his club and to join the club you had to have been a convicted felon wow so i look around the place is full like full of people and i'm sitting there and we're eating and these guys are on the like pro ira side you know yeah and i look up and on the tv is the news of the queen of england had just died and i was like all right, time to go. Like, right. I mean, check, please. Yeah, check. We're out of here. So, that was my most recent little rundown of mission time. Good times. Yeah, right. I could play this game all day. Yeah. I got about 13 <laughs> stories that just popped in my head. Maybe next time. Nobody's going to want to go if we start telling oh, all our sure. stories, though. Uh, moral of the story go on a mission trip. It's great it's memories. It's some great <laughs> memories. Uh, well, we're in the 1010 Life series. Very, very important. A series in the life of our church. We got Advanced Commitment Night coming up in two weeks. That's a huge event. And um, something we're going to come back to over and over again uh, in this series and then over the course of this discipleship journey for the next two years is this question of abundant life. You know, we've, we've, we've heard some about it already, but um, I think abundant life tends to be one of those things that people misunderstand. I know, Pastor Joby, you're, you're working hard to help us have a right understanding of it. So, Remind us once again, what's the what's maybe a wrong way to understand abundant life and Jesus' promise for abundant life and the right way to understand it? Uh, well, in Luke 12, Jesus says, your life is not defined by an abundance of possessions. Mm-hmm. So in John 10, we see that the abundant life is found in the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And we live in a world that spends billions of dollars a day to help you try to define your life by an abundance of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus offers an abundant life. The NIV 84 edition says that you may have life and have it to the full. Mm-hmm. And all of our lives are full. Like our calendars are full, our stress levels are full. Uh, but are we full of the spirit of God and walking in the kind of godliness and abundance that he has for mm-hmm. us? That's what we want for our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say it's fair in regards to making a distinction around abundance is 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 the abundance something i provide for myself by means of my own hands or is the abundant life something i live in that has been given to me mm-hmm. it's a, a gift i enjoy mm-hmm. and the means by which i enjoy it is trusting the giver who gave it to me mm-hmm you know, versus me making a way and earning and, right. you know, me me creating what abundant means for me. It's that I have been given the abundant life, mm-hmm. which is in and through Jesus. And I can, and the way I enjoy that is by trusting him. Mm-hmm. How sick is it that we, when we see the word life, we have to talk ourselves out of equating stuff with life. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't say abundant stuff. It right. says abundant life. Mm. Abundance means more than enough. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the verse, oh, what manner of love the Father has lavished mm-hmm. upon us that we would be called children of God. Mm-hmm. Lavish means you could have quit a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You have given plenty. You're beyond full. Right. It's spilling out everywhere. And God continuously lavishes his love upon us. I think you could tie those verses together But in our own minds, look, man, we're into Jesus and the church thing and the Bible thing a lot. 
And even us, we have to constantly remind ourselves mm-hmm. that the abundant life, life and stuff, life and possessions, mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. money, life and accomplishment are mm-hmm. not the same thing. Life just means life. Mm-hmm. And, our, and the abundance of life is the lavish love of God poured over us over mm-hmm. and over and over and over. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you guys know, the church knows, like I went through cancer and still dealing with it. And one of the things you have to stare down in the middle of something like that is if your definition of abundant is, is up and to the right, mm-hmm. then that definition will let you down. Mm-hmm. Like you, then you're like, well, am I not living in abundance? Like, am I not living after Christ? And one of the things I had to think a lot about was maybe the abundant, maybe full life is like full spectrum life, mm-hmm. not just one end of like the good, mm-hmm. that side of it. And if you think, you think the picture of an abundant life is Christ. And he, I mean, he had to suffer and die. And so it wasn't always comfortable. It wasn't always easy. And so I think the picture of what it looks like to live a full abundant life is to live a Christ-like life. Mm-hmm. And so. Is it something that you experience? I mean, can, can you guys give examples of maybe getting to the end of a day or the end of a week or some moment where you're saying that was an abundant moment or I'm living an abundant life or the other side would be, I think I'm just realizing I've been going after something that I thought was abundant, but really isn't. You know, how do you, how do you personally know I'm either in it or I'm not, I'm receiving it or I'm not? Um, I think an abundant life, I mean, Adam preached on an abundant life is the scent life. Paul will use the language in 2 Timothy, I am being poured out. Mm. And, and if you keep reading, he talks about, and it's worth it, Timothy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there are some ministry seasons, man, like uh, coming off a of saturated, right? And it has nothing to, I don't even preach saturated except for on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. But when you, when God gives you a little bit of a glimpse to see how he used you for his glory, mm. it's moments like that where I just think, what else in the world could you want with mm. your life? Yeah. This is, the same thing can for sure happen like on a mission trip. Right. You know, you go and you, and you think, holy moly, God is using me to accomplish the great commission in one little small way, right? I went to one little piece of the earth, but he used me to share the gospel, to build that thing, to care for those people, whatever that thing Mm -hmm. is. And so when it terminates on itself, it'll never be enough. Mm. Like I've rarely, I've never felt that way on vacation. I've never like come home from a vacation and thought, wow, that was it. Mm. I either think, I got a lot to do when I get home or wish I could have stayed two more days, wasn't quite enough, you know? Right. But it's it's when I'm it's when I'm on mission for God that I have this like secret of being content mm-hmm. feeling way more than when I'm surrounded by all the lavish things of this world that 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 God has graced me with, but it just doesn't do mm-hmm. it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's there's an awareness in being in being sent and the abundant life, like there's an awareness of what I have been given that is already mine mm-hmm. in and through Christ Jesus. Yeah. The more aware of what I have been possessed by, mm-hmm. the to me, that's living 
the abundant life is operating in the awareness of what is true of me, mm-hmm. not trying to make something true mm-hmm. of me by doing X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so, <clears throat> the like, I, I have the abundant life because Jesus didn't say, I came to give you the abundant life, right? He mm-hmm. says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and dest- only come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have may have life abundantly. And he is sent, and then he says, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection life. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. You know, he's saying, I'm it. Right. Everything you've ever wanted, mm. for sure, mm. everything you need on an eternal, I'm it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so the more aware I am of his having gifted himself to me and possessed me mm. and purchased me, the more abundant mm-hmm. everything is like mm-hmm. it's like the brighter everything is and mm-hmm. the you know what i mean but when i'm focused on the mm. my little contribution like when i see my contribution which in the being sent and doing and going which is praise god i get to have one mm-hmm. when i see it in light of the grand reality it's better mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. versus like i'm trying to do a thing because I know that's the right next thing mm-hmm. to do. It's like that it just makes that thing really small, but when I see my next thing in light of the big thing, mm-hmm. it's just it's just more beautiful and more abundant. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, so, love, I love that. I mean, it's like when you think about it as a contrast against death. So, if the enemy's coming to steal, kill and destroy and then he says, "I've come and they may have life." That's the opposite of what the enemy is going to give. So if you're in Christ, you've got the abundant life. And so often we're living like we're looking for it still, even when we are, I mean, myself included, even when we are in Christ, we're thinking, man, how can I get that abundant life? You know, but what he's saying is, if you have me, you've already got it. And so you're living from a position of abundance Uh or a position of abundance in that thing. One of my favorite, one of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and there's that classic line, Eric Little, the runner, and he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't think about the abundant life and not think about that just experience. Like, mm-hmm. how do you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just that I feel good, but I, I think I feel that God is pleased in that moment in mm-hmm. the thing that I'm doing, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. Playing with your kid on the floor, reading a book at the beach, sitting in the deer stand, playing golf, you know, whatever those... So I don't think they have to be limited, but it's, but I love that. Like when I run, I mm-hmm. feel God's pleasure. Mm. Well, so much of the, and I know we're going to dive into the text mm-hmm. and, and the sermon. And whenever we get to these verses, we can pick them apart. But like uh, chapter Romans 10, 11, 12, and 13 uh, are s- serious anchor texts at the end of three power packed chapters, you know, as Romans makes a turn. Yep. That said, pitch for the uh, Roman series circa 2018. Mm. If you missed any of that, you can go back and there's 34 yeah. weeks of goodness. Um, and so 30, of probably, I, did, I think I did one of them. So there's at least 33 <laughs> weeks of goodness. <laughs> one you might want to, but um, that's saying that what we're talking about and what we've been talking about and what we will be talking about in the 1010 life that I, I really pray for myself and for my family and for our church is that what we're talking about is that trust is the means by which we enjoy our Father. Mm-hmm. 
the, the, the trusting him in the next thing and the little things and the bit that it's all about trust. Mm-hmm. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who mm-hmm. trusts in the Lord mm-hmm. shall be saved. Mm-hmm. You will not be put to shame. Mm-hmm. You will, and so it's an invitation to a deeper trust with the Father. Mm-hmm. Get out of the the game of if then, and uh, you know I'll keep this, and you can have that, and it's you know it's all His, mm-hmm. and I want it. So it's the invitation into a deeper trust. And and Brennan Manning's killer line that just has owned me for years mm-hmm. is that trust is our gift back to God, and He finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for the love of it. Mm-hmm. Hello. I was listening to or reading or listening to something recently that referenced that thing, Pastor Joby, that you say so often that the translation of the word faith or believe is bestow, which really means it's more accurately translated trust, like resting your weight on, you know? And so often we think of it as a faith is kind of more like a, a, a good wish or a hope or a belief would be like a mental agreement, but really it's more about resting the weight of our life and trusting. And in week two of the 1010 life, the correct me if I'm wrong, but where we're going for the next couple of years as a church is on this journey where we are challenging the idols mm. in our lives, the things that would keep us from mm. self-justifying or rationalizing our way from trusting God mm-hmm. and enjoying him more deeply and fully, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at um, John chapter 10, where the whole 1010 life comes from, mm-hmm. it's all rooted in trust. Uh, first of all, Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Mm. And let's not run that by that too fast. Like he's right. good. This world's not, but he is good. Mm-hmm. And he calls his sheep by name and they hear his voice and do what he says. Mm-hmm. And then the good life, the the abundant life is in the good shepherd. Well, if you stay right where you are, guess what? The shepherd is moving. And if you are not on the move, you will not have the abundant life because you ain't with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you think about that in light of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. which the imperative in the Great Commission is make disciples. It's right. probably better translated not go, but as you are on, on the go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means, and then the end of the Great Commission is the great promise, and lo, I will be with you always to the very ends of the age. Mm-hmm. Well, what if if you are not on the go, are you with him? Mm-hmm. Is he with you? Mm-hmm. Now, he is in the sense that God is omnipresent, but not in like a particular manifestation of the mm-hmm. spirit of God mm-hmm. if you were not on mission with him. Mm-hmm. So like the, and a lot of people just sit their butt in church and don't ever, they are not on the go. Mm-hmm. They are not consistently taking steps of obedience to follow after Jesus and wonder why their faith is all dried up and mm. they've been sitting in the same pew their whole life. Mm. Now, yeah, you could attend the same church forever and you don't, may not be called to go to the ends of the earth as a full-time vocational mi- missionary, but every single one of us are called to the Great Commission mm-hmm. in whatever every area of life that you are in. As you are on the go, you're making disciple. Mm-hmm. As you were following the voice of Jesus, which he said go, then you are close to the good shepherd. And when you're close to the good shepherd, that is the abundant life. All of these things are all intermingled together. Mm, That's why the abundant life is the sent life. And I think about, as you were talking about that, you know, in John where Jesus goes up on the mountain in transfiguration Mm -hmm. and you always make the joke like, it's good that we're here. You know, that, that, which is great. Like, 
And praise God, we have those moments and sure. that they got to see the glory of God in the mm. face of Jesus. Like, could it's mind blowing to think about that moment. But the thing that strikes me in that story is Jesus walks down off that mo- off that hill, and then gets back onto his father's business. If they stay up on the hill, they're no longer with Jesus. Right. Mm. So the the thing is not just what you're accomplishing. But Jesus is about the mission of God. That's right. And if we're not about the mission of God, then we just miss out on, on being with Jesus. Mm. And in that instance, the mission of God was a sick kid with his dad down in the valley. Right. Mm. And think of what they would have missed seeing if right. they had not gone down there. They mm. would have missed seeing a healing miracle. Mm. Like I want to, I want just selfishly, right. I want to see that stuff. I want to mm. see the glory of God and I want to see people healed and marriages healed and sight restored and mm-hmm. speech. And like, yeah. I, want to, I want to see that stuff. The Great Commission you just referenced, and it's right in line with what you're talking about. Jesus, right before he gives the church the Great Commission, he reminds us of his street cred, if you will, like who he actually is. And he says the words, all authority, all mm-hmm. authority on heaven and earth, have been given to me. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's what he's not, not me, Ryan Britt. This is yep. Jesus talking. He's saying, I have all the authority on heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And the way I understand the Great Commission, he's saying, if you are under my authority, this is what life looks like. Mm-hmm. You are on the go making disciples. And mm-hmm. let's just be clear about what we're talking about. And this is very, very important. Following Making disciples is about teaching people to obey what Jesus has commanded. And and in that, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, knowing that he is, to your point, with us, even until the end of the age. Mm -hmm. And... Because there's there's a, like, sometimes there's like a Christianese version of discipleship, which is like, and you talk a little bit about this in, in the preacher without who doesn't use words kind of thing. There's like a Christianese of like, I try to be nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing as making disciples. That's right. You should be trying. That's like the spirit of God should produce the fruits of the spirit in your life and they should grow and kindness is one of those for sure. But being nice to everybody and not being mean is not the same thing as teaching mm-hmm. people to obey Jesus. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's a part of it, but you know what I mean? Well, I mean, in this text in John 10, it says, Beautiful are the feet that preach good news. And that and it says, I mean, how are they gonna hear unless somebody mm-hmm. preaches? So, you know, that it gets attributed to Francis of Assisi, preach at all times when necessary, use words, which Francis of Assisi never said, right. first of all. But also He was too smart to say something. Yeah, that's right. The right. Go, the gospel is good news. That's what it means. Right. And news gets proclaimed, it gets announced. Mm-hmm in that thing. So yeah, work should accompany it and authenticate it. But at some point, the feet have to bring the good news. Well, and one of the things I love about the two-year discipleship journeys that we've been on as a church in this 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 1010 life that we're starting on is there's like layers to how we participate in the declaring and the demonstrating of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. So there's like the the how we do it through the local church that is known as 1122, which is 
continuing to glorify God and worship in word, making disciples that make disciples. There's the 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 church life portion of the ten ten life, you know, and then there's like the eternal life, which yeah. is how we take that message together, both in sending missionaries and going on mission trips and using the financial resources that God's blessed us with to plant churches and to move campuses into the neighborhood. And and so there's, the, you know, so it's not just the individual to me that that I get to participate in the sending, the the building, the growing, the moving of the kingdom of God in, in light, eternal life. And then there's the abundant life, which is like straight up, we're at the point where each of us as individually are saying, what is my next step? And for many of us, it's digging deeper into the ministry that we've been walking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many, it's taking, many is to the point, you come, you attend, you show up, man, no problem. However, there's a next step for you. Mm-hmm. There's a place for you to pour out as you get filled up. And so that's what I love about the 1010 life is the is the, these two-year journeys is that there's such a we together portion of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's also in the 1010 life specifically that every person who calls 1122 home is asking, what do you want me to do in multiple yeah. lanes of their life, heart, soul? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. baseball, baby. Like half the game, you're on the field with your whole team. Everybody's playing the same game, right? So every, like... If you're asking yourself, you're just, you know, you come to 1122, you bring your first and best, and you're like, well, what am I doing for the Great Commission? I can tell you what, there's a part of everything you bring to the Lord that the Lord uses to plant churches literally all around the world mm-hmm. to help accomplish the Great Commission where every tribe, tongue, and nation will hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And you get to be a part of that, just like right. every person in our church is part of it, all right? Mm-hmm. That's baseball on defense. And then there's a part of the game in baseball where you step up to the plate and it's only you with your bat against the other team. Mm -hmm. And then there's what are you individually going Mm -hmm. to do to help the team win? Mm -hmm. And that is the what is God calling you to do? What's that next step of obedience that God is calling you into? And particularly with the 1010 life is the sent life does not necessarily only mean being sent to East Africa. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people need to be sent to be chaplains for our first responders. To, to First Coast Women's Services. To, there's a whole bunch of different opportunities where people can serve and be yeah. sent right here in the city. Mow the yard of somebody that's fostering a, a child and cut the hair of a foster child. And yeah, it looks all different kinds of ways. So Pastor Adam, you preached, like you said, from uh, Romans 10. And Romans... I mean, let's do it. Let's just miss the greatest. Let's do it. It's the greatest, isn't it? Romans 9, 10, and 11... Are, you could argue some of the most difficult chapters of the Bible, you know, because people wrestle with all that, you know, the hardening and the sovereignty of God and salvation is really what it's about. Why, why do you think Paul, right in the middle of that, would give this what you call the missional chain yeah. uh, in, in the middle of that section talking about being sent? Yeah, so I'd, I'd back up even to Romans 8, mm-hmm. and we talk a little bit about this. In Romans 8, you have what they've historically called the golden chain of salvation. Right. And it's, you know, those whom he foreknew, he predestined, those he predestined, he called, you know, and it works through this, how we come to faith. Mm-hmm. And then you flip over to Romans chapter 10 that we were in and you see, so, you know, salvation comes by calling on the name of the Lord. And how do you call? You believe, how do you believe? You hear, how do you hear? Preach, how do you preach? You're sent. And the, the picture in my mind is, Think, you know, we, we talk about this, it's like a tapestry. And on one side, kind of behind it, 
you know, all the knots are like Romans eight. It's what's happening back behind. It's what the Lord is doing mm-hmm. in these heavenly places. And the way in which it plays out mm-hmm. is Romans chapter 10. Mm-hmm. The way we experience it, the way the way we experience and people experience yeah. the Lord doing all those things he does in chapter eight yeah. is chapter 10. Mm-hmm. And so they're not contradictory. They, it is the way it plays out. Yeah. And, and Romans eight frees us to go do Romans 10. Mm-hmm. It's because God is sovereign over all those things mm-hmm. that we're free to go. Right. If he's not, that's why we oh. preach the gospel and give a salvation invitation. That's right. Because right. God might actually save people. Yeah. In and he's happy of, to do it. <laughs> no doubt. In spite of our sermons. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And because of our, but he can, yep. he's not only sovereign over the, over the ends, mm-hmm. but he's also sovereign over the means to those ends. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah. I love like in, when Jesus says in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses. He's not saying, you're not going to be my prosecutor. You know, most people are like, how do I go? I don't know enough information. And it's like, you need to know some information, but he didn't ask you to convince anybody, argue a thing, just point witness, be a witness to him. And I think to your point, he can do those things and use those things. I just had a sermon idea. I should jot this down. If you just took all the positions in a court of law. Totally. Dude, that'll preach. Think about that. Cause you're not the judge. Mm-hmm. No, you're not the defendant. You're not the prosecutor. You're not the bailiff. Mm-hmm. That might be four reasons right there where people don't share their faith. Because they've already been like, well, that person can't yeah. go to heaven, the judge. You know, they're like defending the faith instead of sharing the gospel with people. You know, you can kind of get into that kind of cultural thing. You could be the prosecutor. Look what you did wrong. Right. Yeah. Or you could be the bailiff, which is just like Peter chopping off ears. Hmm. Or you can be the witness and be like, I don't know. I just saw him. Yeah, I, used to I be saw a dead guy LSA. get up. I yeah. cannot deny what I've seen. In Somebody should jot that down. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Pastor Joby, you are no doubt, uh, one of the most gifted evangelists. I mean, you have a gift of evangelism, I believe. And you've said before, if you cut me, I bleed evangelism. So let's just say you've got a new believer uh-huh. who's trying to understand, okay, so it's God saving through me, but also I play a part in it. Break that down. How yep. would you explain that to somebody? <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> you just, all right. So I would I would put myself in the camp of people that would claim, reform soteriology. Right. Ultimately, it is God that saves. It is God that draws us to Jesus. It is Jesus that chooses. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just all these verses, right? Mm-hmm. Romans that we are predestined. All right. But even if you just break that word down, this mm-hmm. is the way I ask people, do you think God has a destiny for your life? Mm-hmm. Destiny, everybody's like, yeah. Okay, we like that. All right. You think he's making it up on the fly? Like he doesn't know what's going to happen? Or do you think he uh, has put some thought and effort towards that? Yeah, I think that one. Mm-hmm. You mean like pre-destined. Mm-hmm. Correct. That is what it is. Mm-hmm. And yet, according to the scripture, everyone who would believe, everyone who would call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. So you can fight over the nuances of it. My, my problem uh, with systematic theology is that it is hard to systematize a love relationship. Mm. Like if you gave me the 10 steps in order that happened that led to the marriage that you're in now, at some point you're going to have a difficult 
time putting them in order. Now, the order salute is matters because we know God saves. It's not our efforts. It's not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. people don't get saved when I preach because I'm a good preacher if I even am one. God saves people, period, and uses me to do it. Mm-hmm. So that part of the order matters. But when you talk about a real relationship, man, it's it's way more, in my opinion, like um, like ingredients to chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. All the ingredients matter. The order kind of matters. The chicken and the noodles matter more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's way more like that. You just don't want to ever be more reformed than the Bible right. or less. Mm-hmm. Well, And I think about, I mean, we could all go around tell the story of when the Lord saved us. And I was 15 years old at camp and I wasn't searching. I wasn't seeking. I wasn't looking. I wasn't asking. I just had a friend that said, hey, you want to go to this place up in upstate New York. And I'm like, sure. And then next thing I know, I'm weeping on my face and I can't do anything but go, yeah, Jesus, you saved me. And my experience of that was I had to respond. And I did like, and I call on the Lord and believe in my heart, you know, and I was saved. Now, years later, I got some categories to understand what occurred, but the experience. And so I think often, we can mix up like how we experience it and what's happening. And we think those are in contradiction when they're, they're not, but yeah, you still call on the Lord. Yeah. It's yeah. such a, it's so counter counter narrative or countercultural to the narrative that <clears throat> is Western thinking, <laughs> you know, a couple things on Romans. I love it. There are many great commentaries written on it. If you're, if you're struggling, you don't have to. Many people have written very brilliant mm-hmm. works on this. That said, we talk about this all the time. Like if you jump into Romans eight, you're never gonna you're never gonna get the weight of it without Romans one through seven. You're just not, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna understand it in the context of the eternal realities of what God's doing through His people, including Israel, that started with Israel mm-hmm. in a lot of ways if you don't keep reading. Mm-hmm. And so the chapter and verse thing can really mess you up if you don't watch out, especially in Romans. Yeah. And um, so like eight, nine, eight, nine without eight or without 10, it's just not, you, you uh-huh. know what I mean? And so um, all, all that to say, the, the cultural n- narrative that often is, I want to understand something in order to experience it. Mm-hmm that I understand first. Let me get my hands around it. Let me get some control mm-hmm. of it. Let me test the waters a little bit. And then as I understand it, I will then have an experience. Mm-hmm. The, the New Testament way that God saves is completely opposite. Mm-hmm. You have an experience with God that you don't understand. Mm, that's right. That is an alien righteousness. It is an outside-in thing that... Whether that happens when you're four, five, seven years old or that happens when you're 70 years old, you have an experience and you spend the rest of your life Mm -hmm. trying to understand what is now, what has happened to you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the the tenses of time we talk about all the time, but I think that's a really important distinction is that you don't understand first and then experience. You have an experience and then you spend the rest of your life life as a f- disciple sanctification understanding what has mm-hmm. happened 
Mm-hmm. And so that I am still many years later understanding the implications of what it means that God saved me. Mm-hmm. So let's make this crazy practical. You bring your one more to a service and you know it's like a one more weekend. Mm-hmm. And one of us is up there just just saying, God created you to be in a face-to-face relationship with him. Sin broke that and you admit it. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And you believe somehow when Jesus died on the cross, that counted for me. Are you ready to confess that? Confess him as your Lord, okay? And you're one more sitting right there. All right. What are you praying? Get him, God. Right. Get him. (laughs) You are not praying that for their, like, you're not praying to them because if so, quit praying. Lean over to them and answer any questions. Mm. Or shoot a note to one of us and be like, explain this better. You didn't explain this good enough. Mm-hmm. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, God, would you please soften their heart? Let the scales fall off, would you? God, mm-hmm. get them, please, please. Okay, <laughs> Romans 9. So think about it the exact same way, all right? We're gonna leave out all the middle verses because that's where everybody gets hung up. He starts with, in verse two, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He, like his heart is breaking for his religious brothers and sisters, but they don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Bro, those are some words, man, what he's saying. You read, read, it, at the, read it at the Western Wall in, in, Israel, in Jerusalem. And then you hop over, hop over to 10 and look what he says in 10 verse one. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. That's it. So his one moreness is like, okay. And then, and then he gets to this question. This is at the end of nine. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. Answer is, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And, we should, you. and we should all go, thank God, because we're Gentiles. Bro, I mean, but you want to, this when it hit me like a ton of bricks, is we were in yeah. Jerusalem, and I'm watching the most religious people I've ever seen in my life. And apart from Christ, there is no salvation. Mm-hmm. And they they are pursuing a right standing before God by their own works. And and my Dylan translation is, you mean to tell me these men who have only tried to be good their whole life Mm -hmm. are outside of the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, bro, it was a a court verdict that landed me Mm -hmm. in the place where Jesus saved me. Mm -hmm. And I'm in? Mm -hmm. Answer, yep. yep. Mm. Not by me, not by my, by grace mm. through faith. And, and so if you knew, if you know that, like really know that, how could you not live the sent life? How could you not take that which you do not deserve, mm-hmm. which is the abundant life Christ has purchased for you and you've tasted and seen that it's good mm-hmm. and not take that everywhere to the ends of the earth, starting in your house and in your school and in your yeah. business and in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I think one of, the, one of the things I was convicted by just personally in this text was, do I have a heart's desire for a, for a particular person? 
Like, do I have a name of a person? Mm, Not a category, mm. but like my neighbor, Paul. Mm-hmm. And does my heart desire for him to really be saved? Mm. And do I pray? Like, you want to talk about like, how do I get, how do I live this sent life? Mm. Have a desire for a person to be saved and pray for that person to be saved. That's good. Like you're saying, like, pray for God to get them. Don't pray for like the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like pray for the hound of heaven. To go, to go after him. Mm. You never go wrong quoting C.S. Lewis, you know, yeah, the old hounds of heaven. Mm. <laughs> so all of us work at church. and Speak uh, for yourself. <laughs> we, in a way, live on mission. Um, sometimes we go on trips and uh, blessed to do that. But what are, what are some ways that you practically try to live on mission on a day-to-day just on the daily, like how do you how do you every day get up and do your normal routine and think I'm on mission? I coach my son's teams pretty much his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though now he goes to a Christian school and it's great and it's I love what they do there, but there's a bunch of kids that are there for the college prep stuff and mm-hmm. or to play football there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a like it is on purpose. I like I put my mission trip hat mind on yeah, yeah. and go to the football field. And meet kids, and I mean, and I've had the privilege of baptizing over over a dozen kids from my son's sports teams. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we got a bunch of families at our church now that are deacons that started years ago when I met them on the baseball field, mm-hmm. and they weren't connected to the family yeah. of God in any way. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one is I, I just have to tell myself just because I work at a church, I'm not exempt from doing the things that disciples do. For sure. And so if we're saying go, I got to go. Like, and I love going and I get to go and all that, but, but I got to go. So like uh, go on a mission trip, go across the street, you know, those sorts of things. The other side is the, to the parenting thing. I'm, I really do try to look at parenting as not just trying to raise a kid, but launch a, like launch missionaries. Mm. Like I want my kids to see their life in light of the gospel and whatever they do, you know, nursing or whatever it is, like go, go see that thing in light of the gospel and do that. And so, you know, you said this before, it may not be what we do, it's what we raise. Right. And so I can do one, like I can live my one life and then I can pour into those two lives mm-hmm. and then send those two lives. Yeah. Yeah, we're not trying to raise good Americans. We're trying to raise gospel missionaries. I'm uh, trying to whether raise they're doctors people that or kick nurses. down the doors of hell. That's yeah. it. And that's true. My family and true here in, in the church yeah. of 1122, for the people whose highest allegiance is Christ and his kingdom, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. The... Uh, the like personal evangelism is 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 always been a, a, a struggle for me mm-hmm. in regards to like um, being very intentional in my own personal walk, mm-hmm. and so I have to be like yeah. maybe doubly intentional as someone who just wakes up and thinks about evangelism. The truth, the matter of the fact is, I wake up and think about the church. Mm-hmm. That's what I think about all day, every day is equipping the saints for the works of ministry. And we all have our different parts to play. We all have different gifts. However, because I don't know, I don't know about the gift of evangelism or what do we debate all that out, but because I don't necessarily think evangelism first, 
doesn't necessarily like I don't I still am called to the work of evangelism. Paul tells Timothy yeah. to do the work or of do evangelism. the work of evangelism. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so putting yourselves sports teams, coaching kids, relationships, um, obviously our kids, friends, and the families. Mm -hmm. And I'm just telling you when. And honestly, most of this happens in my house through my wife. My wife will catch the scent of someone who is uh, not a Christian yet or that's very young in their faith, and she'll start investing in them and building a relationship. And then through her, we get to do that. And and, and so when our, those one mores come to the church, it's so funny. when Like when they come, you're just listening through different ears. Uh -huh. And uh, you know what I mean? And, and we hear and it I, weird on the preaching scene. And, They're like, hey, I'm bringing my one more, which is like, hey, don't screw this one up. <laughs> for, for sure. And so it's, um, you know, one of the funny stories that funny, we had some one mores uh, or maybe one of the two of them, a couple was one more and one of them was, you know, who knows? I, I'm not going to judge a man's heart, but let's just say they're early in their faith. There's, there's some newness there to it. And... Uh, we had been inviting them and the wife calls my wife and is like, Hey, I think we're coming to church this weekend and uh, we'd love to come with y'all. And Jen's like, oh. she mutes the phone. She's like, they're coming this weekend. And she's kind of like celebrating. And she's like, you can see it in her face. She's like, who's preaching this weekend? And I said, well, I am. And she goes, she unmutes it and goes, Y'all should totally come next weekend. <laughs> uh, she didn't mean anything by it, but she was like, yeah. uh, so many of the weekends when favorite. I, yeah, so many of the weekends when I, just, we should come when Pastor Joby's back. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was like the best thing ever. And so. You ever have that moment where you invite somebody and they don't know that you're like on staff and, yeah. and, and like you go up on stage or something and they're just like, I didn't oh. know you go. To, you know, just thought you were a regular guy, and they see you different. That's weird. You know, you were just asking how, and I think oftentimes I, I'm all for go, like get on a plane, get in a car, go. But there is, and you do a great job of of leading into this. I mean, praying for people is being a part of the sent life. Yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. And for sure. and and giving. Like one of the, when you stop and think, you know, when I give, I'm participating in, like we're partnering to plant a church in Beirut, Lebanon. Mm. You know, I mean, that's in other places you, we can't even talk about yep. that, mm -hmm. that we'll never get to actually go to. But the fact that in generosity, mm. the Lord takes that and uses that to make disciples is I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, in all my years of service to the Lord, I've discovered a truth that's never failed and has never been compromised. The truth is that it's beyond the realm of possibility that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I give my whole life, hold my worth to him, he will find a way to give back to me much more than I give. Wow. That's abundant life. That's abundant yeah. life. I'm, I'm sure we're getting close to the end of our time, but... Um, you know, last, I'm glad you said what you just said because one of the things that I think God has graced us with as a theological 
vision of our mm-hmm. church is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. That prayer, going, giving, that heart, soul, mind, strength, it's all one thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. And for sure, there's different times where like maybe my my giving is is faithful as through revelation God has burned my heart to to do it to mm-hmm. practice first fruits generosity in a certain way, and my prayer life knob needs to get turned up a little bit. Or I'm just telling you that that I've rarely found times where I'm giving generously, and that doesn't also come married to being compelled to pray for a thing. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm just giving habitually, that ne- that doesn't necessarily compel me to also pray mm-hmm. for a thing and to to in- to be physically in that thing. You know what I mean? But when I'm giving generously or when I'm praying fervently, mm-hmm. it increases my desire to give generously. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And so it's just all so connected. Mm-hmm. I, I, I praise God for that that the decompartmentalization of life that he has led us to in regards to disciple making, that it is not learn how to pray and do that right and then learn how to read your Bible and do that right and then learn how to share your faith and do that right and then learn how to sing the songs and do that right and then, and then, and then, and then at some point start giving tithing. It's like, no, 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 man. This is all one thing. Mm -hmm. It's just your life. Mm -hmm. So do your work unto the glory of God. You know, do your uh, your marriage. You're you're living out the Great Commission in your marriage. You're sent in your marriage. You're sent in your parenting. You know what I mean? That is all one thing. And I hope that our church embraces that. And I'm so thankful for the faithful faithful word mm-hmm. that is being preached over our church the last two weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, just real quick, one of the things I get because I get the privilege of traveling all over the place and preaching and working with church planners, and they're always asking like, "What's the secret sauce?" You know, like at 11 to what's the secret sauce? And I think, you know, I've got a few things that I think are the secret sauce, but one of them, I, at least that I love is this idea that we're not about the brand of 1122. Amen. We're about the name and fame and renown of Jesus. And, right. and we're to see that cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. And our worship is amazing. The preaching, you know, most weeks boring last week. Great. You know, uh, kids ministry, student, all those things are awesome, but they're the spirit of it's not about us. I don't, it is so compelling and so beautiful and so attractive. Mm -hmm. And I love the way, you know, you, the elders have led into that. And I think it is one of the most God honoring and attractive things about a place that's, it's not about us. Mm -hmm. All right, one last thing. Pastor Joby, you've talked a lot about, when you talk about missions and talk about being sent, and I know this from experience from being on mission trips, and I've, I remember you sit with your team on the pre-meetings and stuff, and you say, okay, you probably think right now that the mission field is where we're going, but really, the mission field is right here, and God's gonna do a work in you. What would you say to our church and people listening about the, potential of what God wants to do in us and through, in us and through us by living sent. Um, if we're a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ and you were interested in the deepening part, 
the number one way mm-hmm. for you to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ is help other people discover theirs. Right? Mm-hmm. If you do a quick survey of the Gospels, mm-hmm. the times that the disciples got in trouble with Jesus right. is when they turned inward, like, we got an idea, can we sit at your right and left? And the times where Jesus high-fived the disciples was when they were not inwardly focused, but they were outwardly focused, like they feed the 5,000, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we, we deepen as we help others deepen? Because we are image bearers of God. Yep. Mm. And God put his glory on display by creating people that, that love was going to flow through. Mm. So God, out of an overflow of God's love for God's self, it spills out into creation and mm. he breathes the breath of life into image bearers. Mm-hmm. And then we are to participate yeah. as co-creators with him as vessels of love that, mm. that this is the new commandment, that we should love one another. Yeah. And that's for his glory. Yeah. It's like when we're sent, we're living in our truest identity. And if you think about this God. abundant life thing, this lady at, at a deepening something we had at the church. It was awesome. Um, she was sharing some ideas as she was reading through John 10, 10, and I'm just working through it. If you just look at the opposite, uh, like if the, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, mm-hmm. and then Jesus comes that we may have an abundant life, a way to think about it is the opposite of those things are getting towards the abundant life. Mm-hmm. So instead of stealing, we're bringing in generosity to God. Mm-hmm. Like you can't take from me what is God's Mm -hmm. and I'm just bringing back to him my first and best. And instead of killing, I mean, to kill is like the end all be all to fight against. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to do is protect. We're going to fight for Mm -hmm. from womb to tomb. Mm -hmm. And then to destroy is to tear down and we're going to build up. And we know Jesus builds his church, but we have been called Mm -hmm. as co-creators to advance or build the kingdom of God. You do those three things. You fight for the least of these. You live a life of generosity. You get you get on mission with kingdom building. Mm. That's what the good shepherd calls you to do. That is an mm-hmm. abundant life. That's a set good. life. Mm. Amen. We talked about the power of prayer. So Pastor Joe, would you close us out and give, say a prayer? Love to. Father in heaven, um, God, would you give us the heart of Paul in Romans 9 and 10? And he is through through you being carried along by the Holy Spirit, writing out the theology that we know about how salvation works. And yet we've all in the middle of that, his heart is breaking for his one morse. God, would you break our heart for our one morse that we know by name? And would you break our hearts for the one morse all the way around the world, the ends of the earth, that need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may our feet be the beautiful ones that bring the good news. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.